The sermon that you are about to view is not a replacement of your participation and commitment to a local church, but we do hope it blesses you. If you've been coming for a while, you know we've been making our way through the uh, Old Testament. And uh, today we are going to carry on in our journey by looking at uh, the life and the teaching of Solomon. But I wanted to begin by asking you a really important question. And here's a question. What is the dumbest thing you've ever done? Oh, hang on before you answer. <laughs> The second question is also quite important. Do you find yourself doing dumb things often? <laughs> Third question is the most important question. How many of you here would like to cut down on the number of dumb things you do? Say, so get a show of hands. <laughs> I like the fact that not everybody puts up their hands. <laughs> I, I like the number of dumb things I'm doing. Um, well, today we're going to look at a book in the Bible that's going to help us, I think. Uh, it's the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs teaches us not only to do less dumb things, but if we allow God's Word to work in our hearts, it actually can teach us to live wisely. And so we're going to spend some time this morning looking at the book of Proverbs. But before we do this, I need to introduce you to the author of the book of Proverbs, and his name is... Solomon, yeah, Solomon was King uh, David's son. And at the end of King David's reign, um, things are a bit of a mess, but one of the things that happens is God brings order out of chaos. It's kind of a theme that runs through the entire Bible. God is a God who does bring order out of chaos. He does that in his word, and he does that in our lives. And so God is at work, and in 1 Kings chapter 3, God comes to Solomon in a dream. And he says to him this. He says, Solomon, ask of me anything you want. Whatever you want, just ask me for it. It's quite the offer. Anything. What would you ask for? Was that wisdom? <laughs> Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 3, and we'll see what Solomon says. 1 Kings chapter 3, it's about a quarter of your way um, into your Bible. 1 Kings chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 7. In honor of God's word, let's stand together as we read 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. This is what Solomon says in response. He says, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or to number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Now the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. 
So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but you've asked for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you'll have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. God of all wisdom, God of all knowledge, we pray that you would speak to us, your people, this morning. Lord, we are in desperate need of wisdom. And so give us a listening heart, a discerning heart, a mind to receive and the courage to respond to what you teach us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So of all the things that Solomon could have asked for, he asked for godly wisdom. And the passage tells us that God was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. Why? Well, because it showed recognition that Solomon needed help. I mean, Solomon could have said, you know what? I could ask for anything. Oh, I'll take some money. Money would be good. As for running this nation, I got this. I watched my dad. I, see how, I saw how he led this nation. I picked up a few skills along the way. So when it comes to leading Israel, don't worry, God. I got this. So yeah, give me something else instead. No. Solomon says, man, I'm nothing. This is a big nation. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. So if in order for me to be king, God, I need your wisdom. Because without your wisdom, I'm in a lot of trouble. And one of the things that God honors is, is a humble heart. Now, humility in the Bible, this is really important because humility does not mean being a doormat and allowing people to walk all over you. That's not what humility means. Humility in the Bible is this. It is appropriate smallness appropriate smallness. It is a recognition that God is God and I am not. And I need his help. And that's what Solomon asked for. He asked for wisdom. And if you know the story of Solomon, you'll know that pretty much right away it's kind of put to the test because you have this story. You have a story about um, two prostitutes who come before Solomon and one of their babies had died in the night. And one of the women claimed that the other one took her living baby and put the dead one in its place. Now, both these women claim that this baby was their own. And Solomon has to administer justice. And so he asks the women, he says, so who does this baby belong to? And they both say, it belongs to me. And so Solomon basically says, all right, you're both laying claim to this baby. I have a solution. Give me a sword. What I'll do is I'll divide the baby into two. You take one half, you take the other half. You should both be happy. The one woman says, fine, cut it in half. The other woman just cries. She says, no, don't kill the baby. Give it to the other woman. Just don't kill the baby. And in doing so, in, in this whole story, um, it's revealed who the baby actually belongs to. Now, what's, what's so striking about this story 
is the fact that it's two prostitutes that come to Solomon. Because typically, not just in the ancient world, but right up to today, if you have money, it's not hard to get justice. Right? If you have enough money, you can hire the right lawyers and you can usually get justice. You can get something to go in your favor, right? It's always the poor, it's always the marginalized that, that struggle in getting justice. But here you have a story of two women, two prostitutes, which in the ancient world was kind of the lowest of the low in the social strata. The lowest of the low coming before King Solomon, and Solomon administers justice to all, regardless of your position in society. And, and so things for Solomon initially go quite well. In, in 1 Kings chapter 4, we read that Israel, um, that the people were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate, they drank, they were happy. Under Solomon, Israel as a nation reaches its high point. Its borders extend the, the furthest that they can go. And I mean, so, uh, Israel even, they even have a navy. And if you know anything about the history of Israel, that doesn't happen very often in, in, um, because they're, they're not too keen about the sea, but there's a navy. And, and so from an external perspective, Solomon is quite the success. And in fact, as the Israelites look back in their history, they would say the golden age is the time when Solomon was king. Now Solomon, his greatest legacy though, was not the navy, was not you know, the expanded borders. His greatest legacy was the book of Proverbs, was the wisdom that he brings. And look at um, 1 Kings chapter 4. This is interesting. It says this in verse 29. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight, and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east, and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, and his fame spread through all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered over 1,005. He spoke about plant life, he spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. From all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. And so what I want to do in our time this morning is look at this book of Proverbs and see what it says to us. Now, one of the cool things in our church, I find, is that uh, we have a guy in our church. He was in the 930 service. But we have a guy in our church, um, Ivan De Silva, who's written a book along with the world's leading Old Testament scholar, Bruce Walke, a commentary on the book of Proverbs that's being published later this year with a major publisher. And so I'm like, how cool is that? And I also thought, I should probably call Ivan this week uh, as I'm getting ready to preach this message. So I met with him and then chatted with him a little bit about this. But Proverbs is such an important book. And I want to give you a taste of what this remarkable book says. And so turn to the book of Proverbs. It's right after the Psalms. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Proverbs just comes after all the Psalms. And it says this in, in Proverbs chapter 1. And, and in the first number of verses, you get an idea what Proverbs is all about. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, 
giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings of riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, this is important. This intro actually gives us an idea of why Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs in the first place. And it's, and it's, not, it's not overly obvious, but you have to realize that in the ancient world, there are a lot of books of wisdom. It's not, it's not just a book of Proverbs. There's a lots of books of wisdom. In Egypt, they had collections of wise sayings. In fact, some of the, the um, Proverbs from Egypt actually find their way in the book of Proverbs. And so there's lots of books on, on wisdom around the world. But here, this is how most books of wisdom began. They usually start, kind of like ours. It would lay the king's name down and say, I, king so-and-so, wrote this collection of, of wise sayings. And then it would say this, I wrote this for my son, Prince so-and-so, so that when he reads these wise sayings, he would, you know, lead wisely and lead, you know, govern justly, right? So every book of wisdom has that beginning. I, King so-and-so, give this book of wisdom to my son, Prince so-and-so, so he will not be a twit, but actually grow up wise and lead the nation well, Right? Proverbs begins the same way. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And this is what it should say if it matches everything else. To my son Rehoboam. Rehoboam should have read the book of Proverbs, by the way. To my son Rehoboam. Doesn't say that. Which is quite unusual, but it also teaches us something really important. And it's this, is that the book of Proverbs is a gift for everyone. For everyone. And it lays it out. It says, for young people, it, it names specifically, if you read through the book of Proverbs, especially young people need to get hold of the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is for those young people who are stepping into adulthood. And it's designed to safeguard them from two dangers, two dangers that they will face as they enter into, the, into society, as they enter into to adulthood. And what are those two dangers? Easy money and easy sex. Some things never change. <laughs> easy money and easy sex. And so the book of Proverbs just lays it out very clearly. If you're a young person entering into this world, read the book of Proverbs, and it will guard your heart against some of the dangers in this world. But it's not just for young people. It says if you're a, if you're a parent, for if you're a mother, if you're a father, if you're a mentor, if you're a teacher. And so if you want to mentor somebody, learn the book of Proverbs. If you want to teach someone, if you want to raise your children well, read the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a gift for anyone who desires wisdom. Do you desire wisdom? Then the book of Proverbs is for you. So how do we get started in the book of Proverbs? Well, it says, where do we begin? To begin to enter into the book of Proverbs, we begin with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. What do we mean by fear of the Lord? What does that mean? It shows up time and again in Scripture. What is fear of the Lord? 
Well, fear of the Lord is first off, faith that God is, that he exists, that he is wise, and that he has revealed his ways in his word. And you see this in Psalm 19, Psalm 19, verse 7. It says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. So fear of the Lord is recognizing that God exists. He's wise. He's revealed himself in his word. And it's also faith that our life will only work the way it's supposed to work when it is lived in humility before God. The fear of the Lord is trusting that God is, that he is good, that he is loving, that he is holy, and that he has revealed himself, and we are called to align our lives to him. So what Proverbs is not, and sometimes I hear it taught this way. Sometimes people say, you know, if you're in business and you need some, just some good, helpful advice along the way, read the book of Proverbs. It's just kind of a handy-dandy wisdom guide. It's not just a handy-dandy wisdom guide. It's not a, a bunch of axioms for a highly effective life. Yeah, you can learn lots in the book of Proverbs, for sure. But the entry point is the fear of the Lord. It is to be read out of a relationship with God. That is absolutely key. Because you know what Proverbs is actually training us to do? The book of Proverbs is training us not just to be wise, but it is training us to be righteous. So it's not some fancy axioms that kind of help. It's training us. It's a training book to teach us how to be righteous. So what is the wisdom that the book of Proverbs offers us? Well, wisdom, wisdom in the Bible is fundamentally this. It is the ability to read reality well, to live skillfully, and make right decisions as we walk with God. Okay? It is to read reality well to live skillfully and make right decisions as we walk with God. So we have to get this, because right from the get-go, wisdom has nothing to do with IQ. Wisdom has nothing to do with whatever degree you happen to have on your wall. Wisdom is not about how much information you know, because if wisdom was about information, we would be the wisest generation in the history of the world. I always think of it. T.S. Eliot has this poem where he says, where is the wisdom that we've lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we've lost in information? 20 centuries go by, brings us no nearer to God, but closer to the dust. See, information is not wisdom. You and I have so much information. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the information. Wisdom is the right handling of truth. It's the ability to discern what is right in real-life situations and then doing it. That's what wisdom is. Folly, foolishness, on the other hand, also has nothing to do with IQ. It's, uh, a fool is not someone with a low IQ. Folly in the Old Testament is a problem of the will, not of the mind. And so a fool... A fool has a moral problem. 
not an intellectual one. Because a fool is a person who attempts to live his life or her life independently of God or to live their life as if God does not matter. And so a fool knows a lot of right things. They may know a lot of things, but their issue is that they don't do them. They don't do the right thing. And I don't know about you, but I find that comforting. I find it really comforting because, I mean, some of you may be here this morning, you're thinking, oh, book of wisdom, you know, I'm not smart enough to know the book of wisdom. It's got nothing to do with smarts. There's nothing to do with smarts. Proverbs tells us that, that <laughs> Proverbs reminds us that a lot of smart people do dumb things, right? Proverbs offers us the gift of learning how to live wise and skillful lives. And so we need God's wisdom. Because if we, if, we if we don't have God's wisdom, you and I will continuously do things that are dumb. And that's one of the characteristics, and I, I go on about this probably too much, but one of the challenges uh, in a modern world is that we're cu we, we cut ourselves off from the past. It, it, one of the characteristics of the modern world is we think that the past has nothing helpful to offer us. Like, well, you know, the past is old. Everything old is obsolete. What do you do with things that are obsolete? You throw it away. And so we just live in the present. But here's the thing. If all you're stuck with is the present, how do you make wise decisions? Where do you draw from? Where's the wisdom that you're going to draw from? If you're just stuck in the present, how do you make really important decisions? What do you draw from? Well, what shows up on your news feed or what other people are saying or maybe your experience or what feels right. But it's a pretty narrow feeling. This is a gift from God. And, it, and, and it's given to us, and it helps shape us. It shapes us. So you and I get, need to get hold of the book of Proverbs. If we read it, if we understand it, we're on the way of life. If we ignore it, we choose a path of death. Okay, but what are Proverbs. Well, Proverbs are, um, one way to put it is they are brief, you know, catchy, pithy sayings expressed in a catchy way that teaches us about how to live wisely. So they're, they're written in a way that if you hear them, they actually stick with you. They're, they're easy to memorize. Um, sometimes you'll hear some <laughs> Proverbs and it'll just get stuck in your head and then you can't get rid of it. Like think about this one, Proverbs 11.22. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but it is kind of funny. Um, Proverbs 11.22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. And what, what is that saying? I mean, it's a pretty powerful mental image. Well, it's a warning to anyone who wants to get married. If you're choosing looks over character, you're in a lot of trouble. If you're looking at that guy, if you're looking at that girl saying, oh, you know, I like the way they look, and you pay no attention to their character, then you're in a lot of trouble. Which leads to another important point about Proverbs. And Proverbs are very, very practical. They're true, and they can apply to our, daily, our everyday life. But you need to be careful when you read Proverbs because not every proverb applies to every situation. This is important. It requires discretion, requires discernment. 
Uh, let me give you an example. Think of Proverbs 10.4. It says this, Lazy hands makes a man poor, but diligent hands brings wealth. So lazy hands makes you poor, diligent hands brings wealth. Is that true? Sometimes, exactly sometimes. Because you and I, we all know people who are as lazy as all get out, and somehow through luck or through whatever happens, they end up winning the lottery, <laughs> having lots of money, being quite wealthy, but they're very lazy. Or they have parents that worked really hard, but they're lazy, but they inherit from their parents, right? So we know exceptions to this, for sure. But as a general rule, lazy hands make a man poor. And diligence does bring flourishing as a general rule. Here's another one. Uh, you may be familiar with this one, Proverbs 22.6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when they're old, they will not turn from it. Train a child in the way they should go, and when they grow up, they will not turn from the right way. Is that true? Sometimes it is, yeah, because we all know kids who are raised well, but they make really dumb decisions. We also know people that weren't raised that well, but they make wise decisions. But as a general rule, how you shape your children, how you educate your children, how you carry out moral formation for your children tends to have long-lasting impact, okay? Okay. And the other thing about Proverbs, sometimes you'll come across this, and it's quite strange because some Proverbs seem to be completely contradictory. Look at this one. This one's interesting. Look at uh, Proverbs 26. And they're right next to each other, so it's kind of handy. Proverbs 26, verse 4. It says this. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you yourself will become just like him. Verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will become wise in his eyes. Well, which is it? Do you answer the fool or you don't answer the fool? What is, what is this saying? Well, there's sometimes when somebody says something really dumb, really foolish, for you to address it, you're just giving ammunition to the guy. So it's best just not to say anything so he doesn't think that what he's saying is actually valuable. Right? But there's other times where a person will say something really, really dumb, and everybody thinks what they're saying is true, and you need to say, no, no, hang on. What he's saying is, is, is uh, dumb. <laughs> it's real. Don't listen to him. Because if you listen to him, it's going to take you on all sorts of bad roads, so don't listen to him. The other thing that these two Proverbs are saying, if you hold them together, is that you and I, um, one of the things we need to do is in answering the fool... Don't adopt his method of communicating. So don't stoop to his level. Well, I'll tell you, man, is that when in our online world? <laughs> in our online, is that not a proverb for today? That don't stoop to their level in your communication? Right? So all to say is that... Um, it requires discernment. Every proverb addresses one limited slice of reality. 
And, and we shouldn't be surprised because in English, like in, in our, well, actually, I was thinking about even in, in, in Chinese, they have some, some proverbs that seem contradictory, but we're okay with that. Like in English, we say, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? But then there's also out of sight, out of mind. So which is it? Well, at times they're both, right? Um, he who hesitates is lost. Look before you leap. Yeah, again. But we, we get that, and we're okay with that, because we recognize that Proverbs requires discretion and discernment. And so that's why, again, our entry point into the book of Proverbs is what? The fear of the Lord. We, we enter into the book of Proverbs in a posture of prayer and relationship with God. And that helps us in our discernment process. So what I want to do just, just in our remaining time this morning is look at three Proverbs. One is a, pro, is a proverb about speech. One is about actions. And one is about how to make it through life. So there's a proverb about speech. And that's in Proverbs 10.19. Look at this one. Proverbs 10.19 says this. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Right? Sin is not ended by the multiplying of words, but the prudent hold their tongues. And this proverb is pretty straightforward. What is the simplest way to cut down of sin in your life? Stop talking. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Um, think about how many times we speak when we really have nothing to say. So <laughs> I had a buddy of mine growing up, uh, and uh, his dad was like one of those guys, he's quite wise, but he's a man of few words, right? And uh, his name was George, and I, I remember being at his house one day, and, and uh, the phone rang, and George, uh, he was a teacher, he was my teacher, he'd always go, always speak clearly and distinctly, right? That's why he was very slow, and so he answers the phone, he goes, hello? <laughs> and his friend goes, hey, George, guess who it is? He goes, I can't guess. And he hangs up. Because <laughs> he's a man of very careful words. And I think that it's important for us to recognize that there's a connection between how many words we say and the amount we sin. I read somewhere that, um, that the average person speaks around 10,000 words in a day. And in their 10,000 words, they, they speak around 200 lies. Yeah, 200 ways of bending the truth a little bit or just you know, maybe white lies or whatever. And so 200, and that doesn't include just things that we do wrong that are just sinful. So let's say, for the sake of math, easy math, that there's a 10 to 1 ratio between your words and sin. So that means in a day you speak 10,000 words. How many sins? A thousand, right? A thousand sins, right? Okay, I need math majors to help me on this one. Okay. So let's say in a day you cut down your speech by half. 5,000 words. How many sins? 500. People are being like, hey, who is this person, right? Okay, let's say you get, you get crazy. You cut down your speech to 100 words. Right? It's only 10 sins. 10 words. If you're nine words and under, they're going to they're gonna start making you into a saint, right? They're going to like, well, who is this person, right? And, you know, we shouldn't be surprised because in history, 
In history, all the great spiritual writers talk about the, the importance of silence as a spiritual discipline. Um, Henry Nouwen, in his book, The Way of the Heart, talks about um, desert mothers and desert fathers and how important silence is. Because when you practice silence, you discover something. When I practice silence, I discover something really important. I discover that the world will carry on just fine without my witty comments. <laughs> Which is a surprise to me, because I thought it was pretty important to hear my contribution, my witty contribution to a conversation, but apparently people get along just fine without it. That you and I can live just fine without getting in the last word. And that we don't always need to speak in a way where we control how people think about us. And here's the thing, as you learn the gift of silence, the wisdom of silence, you may discover a new and better way to live. Maybe it'll teach you how to listen better and how to choose your words carefully. Right? That's a, that's a proverb that offers this to us, this wisdom. Another proverb, it's quite fun, is uh, Proverbs 19, verse 24. Look at that one. This, is, this one's quite a, it's one of those ones that stick in your head. Proverbs 19, 24, a sluggard, like a lazy person, buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. Isn't that awesome? He's so lazy, puts his hand in the chip dish. It's like, I can't be bothered. <laughs> uh, chips are so far away. Right? And we look at that and we think, oh, you know, who would ever do such a thing? What's the point? The point is this, is that no life is ever nurtured by laziness. And our lives will never flourish when we spend hours upon hours scrolling. What's on Netflix? Who's on Instagram? How many minutes, how many hours, how much time do we waste avoiding all the things that really matter? This is easier. This is, that doesn't require a whole lot. It's like putting hands in the chip bowl and just leaving it there. Right? That's what our proverb teaches us. One last one. Proverbs 12.1. It's about how to make it through life. Proverbs 12.1 says this. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. <laughs> In a culture that's easily offended, book of Proverbs is going to be a tough book to make, make our way through. Here's the thing, every one of us, what this proverb is teaching us is that every one of us needs to have someone in our life, and I've said this before, you need to have someone in your life who loves you, who cares for you, but is not impressed by you, and who's willing to speak truth in your life. And a wise person listens and learns from hard truth. A, a fool ignores it. 
And, and, and this is a tough one because to invite someone to speak truth in our lives really runs against our culture. I mean, somewhere there was a shift in education. It used to be in education, the goal of education was to form a child's character. It was moral formation. Yeah, you learn stuff, but it was also about moral formation. Somewhere along the line, it, it was, education was no longer about the person's character formation. It was more about how the outside world, um, how the outside world is to blame for anything that goes wrong inside of us. And what the book of Proverbs teaches us is like, no, no, you and I need to be formed. Our character needs to be formed. And one of the ways our character is formed is when you and I have someone in our life who can speak truth into our life. So here's your challenge this week. Find someone you trust and ask them this question. What is one thing about me that you find annoying? Now, one thing, right? One thing. Because some of your friends are like, oh, finally. Do you want an alphabetized list or how do you want that? You know, no, just, just one thing, right? One thing. What is one thing about me that you find annoying? Say that to somebody, to one of your friends. Now, make sure somebody you love, someone you trust. It's a risky thing. It's a risky thing. But here's the thing. You and I will never grow. We will never grow spiritually unless you have somebody speak truth into your lives. And we live in such a world of echo chambers. Like we, we, we just surround ourselves with people who think like we do, who, who believe all the same things we do. And what do we do? We just, you know, like each other's pages. We like each other. You know, we're all in this... But we need to have people to kind of rub us a little bit who will speak truth, and, and, and it may be painful. But it's in that pain that we begin to be transformed. So that's your challenge. There's a lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. So I, and there's 31 Proverbs. You can read it through in a month. I would challenge you to, to, to immerse yourself in the book of Proverbs. About 10 years ago, I started studying the book of Proverbs. And I've just been slowly making my way through it over, over 10 years. Now, some of you may be thinking here this morning. You may be thinking, well, you know what? Proverbs, man, that's in the Old Testament. Why do I need Proverbs? I have Jesus. Right? I don't need the... I don't need Proverbs. I got the Holy Spirit to guide me. I don't need Solomon. I have Jesus. And, you know, Jesus does say, Jesus does say, in, in, I believe it was in, in Matthew 12, 42, he says, someone is among you. The kingdom of God, my very being, is greater than Solomon. That's what he says. And so we need to pay attention to that. But you cannot read the New Testament without hearing the book of Proverbs. It runs all throughout. The, you can't read the book of James without hearing the book, the book of Proverbs. And the other thing is this, is that, yes, Jesus is better than Solomon. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's, it's like this. Let me give you an example. So Mark says, let's say, I, I, give you, I give you $50, right? You'll take $50, right? Yeah, you'd be happy with $50. So I give you $50, and then I say, actually, I have $100 for you. Let me give you $100. And you'd be like, wow, $100, that's better than $50. I don't need my $50 anymore because I have $100. No. $50 is still $50. It's still valuable. 
And so that's the thing. The book of Proverbs is a gift to us. It's valuable. It is God's gift to us. It's his gift of wisdom. And we don't throw that out. And I don't know about you, but I need all the help I can get to live wisely. I remember years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were close friends. And uh, we were talking, and I was tired. He was a bit tired, and we kind of, kind of argued a little bit. And I remember looking at him, and I said something to him. And what I said was so hurtful. Oh, was it hurtful. And I said it, and I saw his face, and he kind of went back like this. And it, it destroyed our friendship. Even though I apologized and everything, it destroyed our friendship. And I thought about it afterwards, because there's a proverb in Proverbs 12, 18. It says this, reckless words pierce like a sword. It actually literally says, reckless words stabs like a bunch of stabbings. And I spoke reckless words to him, and I saw the actual physical effect of him backing up, because it cut him to the heart. Reckless words pierce like a sword but the words of the wise bring healing. And I'm like, man, I wish I lived that out in that conversation with that friend. That's why we, we need to be soaked, saturated in God's wisdom. Man, it'll help us. It'll help us live wise, righteous lives. I like what uh, Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. This is his prayer for the church. And he says this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, he's talking about the church, we've not stopped praying for you. What has he prayed? He says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. You and I need spiritual wisdom. We need to walk in the manner that God has called us to walk. We need to live righteous lives. And righteous lives are skillful lives. Skillful lives that are in sync with God's ways and God's revealed will. Well, the book of Proverbs will help us in that. And so the invitation I want to give to you this morning is immerse yourself in the book of Proverbs. I don't think you'll ever regret it. Okay? Let's pray. God of grace, we thank you for your grace. Everything that we've looked at this morning is rooted and prefaced in your grace. You're a God who is kind, and you have revealed your way to us through your word, and in particular in the book of Proverbs. Help us to profit by your gift. We know our starting point is, is forgiveness in Jesus Christ because of the cross. Yes, we've been forgiven, but now you've called us to live righteous lives, and you've given us the very means to do so. You've given us the gift of your very self, the Holy Spirit, who works in our hearts and transforms us, but you also have drawn us to the fear of the Lord, where we recognize, God, you're God, we're not, and man, we need a lot of help. And so we pray that we be students of your wisdom, students of your, of your righteous word in the book of Proverbs. And that we would live in such a way that we'd be above reproach and live wise lives, courageous lives, lives that are aligned to you. That is our desire. Transform us, we pray, 
in Jesus' name. Amen.